0: today on a classic compassion radio
1: my friend do you remember the story of the journey of the magi that we retell every christmas well that journey was literally relived on the 2000th anniversary of jesus birth and today and tomorrow you're going to hear about that great adventure
0: a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step so they say but some journeys require a bigger step than others. What became one of the most famous journeys of ancient times began with a single step, a step of faith. A lot has happened in 2,000 years, but the journey of the Magi has not been forgotten, especially to the people who live along the ancient trail through Iran and Iraq. My predecessor, Norm Nelson, knows the territory. He's walked it himself. Leading up to the 2,000th anniversary of the epic journey, today's guest organized an incredible journey of his own, What he has to share about this modern adventure is surprising, to say the least. It cuts right to the heart of our preconceptions of the people of the Middle East and Iran. There's no better place to start than with the journey of the Magi. Here's Norm in this classic Compassion Radio series. I believe that you're going to both
1: learn a lot and be encouraged a lot as you listen to our special guest who's with us both today and tomorrow. Now, our conversation for the next two days combines two important elements of God's work in the world. First of all, it shows how God works in our lives to make us useful vessels for His service, no matter what our background may be. And secondly, it shows how God is at work through obedient servants bringing reconciliation into the ongoing conflict between Israelis and Palestinians. These two days tell an important story and a fascinating account of how the journey of the Magi was relived 2,000 years after the original journey and served as a witness to the Prince of Peace in the peace-starved Middle East. Our guest is Robin Wainwright, the founder of the very effective ministry known as the Holy Land Trust. Let's meet our guest and hear his story. Robin Wainwright, welcome to Compassion Radio. Thank you. Robin, I'd like to hear a little bit about your personal testimony. You were sharing with me yesterday when we were talking, and I was just captivated by what you had to say about how you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Would you share just a little of that with our listeners? Yeah, I
2: would love to. I grew up, I would say, a religious orphan. Our family had no religious orientation. On my father's side, his mother had a Jewish ancestry they were not raised in any religious participation. My father he was actually raised in an orphanage from about 10 years old on. And so he had really no religious orientation at all. And my mother also had, a, on her mother's side, Jewish ancestry, but was not raised in a religious environment. So mm. this was a very struggling family, a very broken family, a very hurting family. There was family violence in the family and mm. five children. We were very poor. We were completely isolated, no relatives, no friends. Now I look back on it and realize, very strange, very unhealthy, very hurting family, completely isolated from everyone. And this was the family I I grew up in and Mm -hmm. didn't know the difference. But when I was in college working my way through, I worked six hours a day from 6 to 9 in the morning and in the evening from about 6 to 9 in a sandwich shop to just work my way through school. And one night, a rainy night, a man comes in. He was a retired Methodist minister, and his wife was taking an eye class and because of the rain, he would came in to get a warm cup of coffee and a sandwich. And he began to ask me a lot of questions. He was very good at just pulling out (laughs) one's story and got me to talk about my life. I don't even remember the questions he asked. You know, I don't remember the things he was particularly interested in. And somehow, even though I'm kind of an introvert and don't really talk that much about myself, he, he got me to spill out my story and the tragedy of my family and all, and And then he did an amazing thing. He looked at my life and said, you know, here and here and here, I see God getting involved in your life. I see God trying to get a hold of you. I see God building things into you. Therefore, I believe that God has some important things for you to do. And if I were you, I'd find out what they are. I wouldn't miss it. Wow. And I was stunned. (laughs) Well, first of all, the good news there was that God had already gotten into my life. Hmm. And I had no clue. And the other good news was that there was some important things for me to do. And my family really lived in absolute futility. Mm. Any problem they tried to solve would be a dead wall. I mean, you know, they could not get dinner ready. Dinner came as a surprise every night. Truly, my mm. family was just totally stuck. And it felt tremendously futile to mm. live in that family. And then to have a hope out there in front of me that mm. maybe God had already gotten into my life, unbeknownst mm. to me, and that God had something, some important things that I could be part of that were what God was doing in the world was just a tremendous announcement of sort of opening a window of good news. But I told him, I said, you know, kind of embarrassed. You know, honestly, I don't know what God does. So I <laughs> wow. don't know what would that look like? What would what kind of things? I mean, help me here. And he He didn't quote me one Bible verse in this whole thing, but the Spirit clearly led him. He couldn't have said a more important thing to me than, you know, God has some important things for you to do. And so he said, well, you know, my wife is out of class now. i got to go get her. It's raining out there. He says, but I'll tell you, I'll write down the name of this place, Westmont College. It's a Christian college, and you can go down there and find out. These people will be able to tell you what God does. Well, as it turned out, the next week, which was Easter vacation, I happened to be going on a geology class down in Southern California for credits at San Jose State, where I was attending. And I said, well, I'll just go by there. (laughs) And I went down and talked to the track coach and made plans to to go to Westmont College. And I did. I transferred there the next year, and I studied Bible, and I studied church history. And by Easter of the next year, I made a commitment that I want to be part of this story. I want to be a Christian and it all began there. Mm. From there, the tremendous professors I had and uh, the ministries that I was able to involved in have just been astonishing to me. But just because this man took the time and say, God has something important for you to yeah. do. It's truly amazing.
1: I just love that story, Robin. Well, I know that you went on to Theological Seminary and you became involved in ministry in various ways, but you ended up having a passion for the Middle East. And that's probably the reason why you're here today, (laughs) if I know why you're here entirely. But we both have a passion for the Middle East and for what God is doing there. Could you tell us how it is that this passion developed in your life? Is it something that was always there? Did it develop at Westmont, or where did it come from?
2: I think partly because I learned gradually that I had Jewish ancestry, and and that vaguely meant the Middle East. I couldn't really put my finger on where that was on the map, but... uh, (laughs) I was interested in the Middle East in general. And I had an opportunity at Fuller Theological Seminary while I was studying. You could take a middle year out and spend a year on the mission field somewhere. And so I decided, well, boy, when would I ever get to do that? So, And missionaries had always been very important in my understanding of the faith and understanding God's purposes mm. in the world. And so I thought, well, this would be a tremendous thing. And there happened to be a missionary who was in the Middle East and had a home really just at the foot of the walls of the old Jerusalem. Mm. And he was ministering among Arab peoples. And Jerusalem, I mean, uh, sounded good to me and sounded like close to my people, Jews, who I didn't know at all. (laughs) And so I decided to go and spend a year in the Middle East. Well, as it turns out, I didn't get to meet any Jewish people because there was a dividing wall there and you couldn't go back and forth. And so the only people I really got to meet that year were Arab people, Palestinian Hmm. people, people in Iraq. I got to travel all over the Arab world that Hmm. year. And I got to meet many of the churches that have existed for years, for centuries, uh, in the Middle East, Catholic families, Orthodox families, Protestant families, and then uh, Muslim people as well. And, And I just fell in love with these people. They, they're they so hospitable, so gracious, so gentle, not at all what you hear on the news. And it came as a surprise to me, and I just fell in love with them. And ever since then, 1967, I actually had to leave one day before the 67 war. The State Department dragged me away. <laughs> I've cared about these people ever since.
1: You know, it is such a tragedy that in the context of the politicizing of everything, it seems, these days, people in the Middle East, in particular I would say the Arabs, are regarded as people of violence, people who lack a kind of basic rationality, and this and that and so forth, and are miscast in such an almost cliché-ridden image that most of us in America, and certainly I would say within the Christian community, the evangelical Christian community, which is your community and my community, that we don't know them at all. How do you respond to a statement like that? Do you agree? Yes,
2: I'm very disturbed by the news every day. It's very agonizing for me and my wife, knowing the people we do, Mm -hmm. both Christian and Muslim, to hear how these people are portrayed. It was out of that concern that we originally devised a plan which we hoped would help people in America learn more who are the people of the Middle East and Mm -hmm. learn that there are Mm -hmm. churches in places like Basra in southern Iraq where our carpet bombs fell in 91, and there were churches underneath some of those bombs, but most people, sadly enough, did not even know that there were Chaldean and other Christians under those bombs. And so we decided that we wanted to reenact the journey of the three wise men, the journey of the three kings, for Jesus' 2000th birthday, and that this would be a way that we could introduce the Christians who were in these countries. We're talking Iraq, Syria, Jordan... And Israel and Palestine.
1: Let me ask you a question yeah. here, Robin. I'm interrupting, but I want our listeners to understand who we is. Yeah. You are, as we have introduced you, the founder of the Holy Land Trust. And the Holy Land Trust has a very important role in all of this, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. We founded Holy
2: Land Trust simply because we realized there weren't very many vehicles that Christians in the West could use to safely process things, take positive steps in the Middle East. And so we Worked very hard to discern who are the good leaders, who are the trustworthy people, Mm -hmm. and we helped establish Holy Land Trust. We now have a Holy Land Trust indigenous organization in Palestine and in Iraq, and Mm -hmm. are working on opening one in Egypt and in Syria. But those are indigenous Christian leaders who run that project, and we are just a servant help organization here in the U.S. Christians in Egypt? Oh, yes. Christians in Syria? (laughs) The greatest majority of of Christians in the Middle East are in Egypt, the Coptic Christians. of which there's a tremendous Bible movement right now, has been for the last decade or more. A great revival going among the Coptic Christians. So God is doing wonderful things throughout the churches in the Middle East. An untold story.
0: Well, it's an untold story no longer. We'll be back with more on The Journey of the Magi and Robin Wainwright's fascinating discoveries in a moment. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. As we look forward to 2023, the first goal is to grow our vision team by another 200 people. Secondly, we've got a specific year-end budget challenge of $200,000 that we must raise in order to fully fund the projects that we've been contributing to for years. You'd think it wouldn't be hard to find these folks. But it's also easy to assume someone else will surely take up the challenge. Well, frankly, I can't count on someone else. I need to count on you. Would you take a moment today to seriously consider joining our vision team? Whether you're on a fixed income or running a growing business, you're giving matters to the Lord and His kingdom's servants around the world. Secondly, we've got a specific year-end budget challenge of $200,000 that we must raise in order to fully fund the project that we've been contributing to for years. Things like saving orphans from the streets of Johannesburg, providing Bibles to new believers in China, Burma, India, and Iran. I'm confident in you and the Lord's provision through you to make all these things possible. And much more. Thank you, friends. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com. Or call us at 1-800-868-2478. And you can send your gift by mail to Compassion Radio, Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And now, back to the broadcast.
1: You mentioned that you wanted to have an event, a very dramatic event that would, in some sense, bring to light the real Middle East, the real people of the Middle East, and something of the history and tradition and all of that. And you came up with this idea, or the Lord gave it to you, the journey of the Magi. You started this in Iraq. I mean, this journey by camel started in Iraq, and you went through some towns in Iraq, the names of which are in the news every single day today, after the war that has been fought there in Iraq, towns like Fallujah, Ramadi, and other towns. These are towns that are in the news as places of incredible violence and hatred toward Americans, toward the American military and all that. You went through those towns, didn't you? You know, we walked through all these towns that
2: are on the news today. Fallujah, Ramadi, Heat, Haditha. We walked unarmed through all of these cities. We did our journey as a pilgrimage that would be familiar to mm. our, our Muslim hosts, which is the majority, 95% of the people in these countries. And they recognized that it was a pilgrimage just as they would go to Mecca. And we we rode on camels and walked and prepared ourselves as you would a truly devoted religious Mm. person submitted to God going to honor God by this pilgrimage. And they knew our destination was Bethlehem to honor Jesus for his 2000th birthday. But they fully respected it. Because they could see one of the things we wanted to show them, besides showing the world who lives here, we wanted them to see some Christians that were truly submitted to God as they are seeking to be. Mm. And so we put it in the format that they could appreciate a pilgrimage. What is more familiar? And this is our heritage, too. It's a shame we don't do more of it. So we walked and rode camels through these cities. And they came out by the hundreds daily Mm. to come out and stand and wait two or three hours in the hot sun for this historic, which they understood the historicity of it and the importance Mm. of Jesus' 2000th birthday. So to honor Mm. the prophet and Messiah Jesus, they came out and stood for hours waiting for us to come by. And young 15, 16-year-old men knew many of us were Americans, knew we had just bombed them the week before Mm -hmm. because we were bombing them every week. Sanctions were going going on. And they came up and saluted in the street and said, Haji, Mm. pilgrim. You're putting your hand to your forehead. they were saluting us, respect. A real salute. A young teenager boy and handing us pomegranates and oranges. And a little boy, Hmm. seven, eight years old, crossing a field for half a mile with a glass of water, Hmm. handing it to us and saying, my parents wanted me to bring you this and say, God bless you. Hmm. And who knows was it within that water? They were dying of cholera, all kinds of horrible things because of the terrible way their water systems were destroyed Hmm. in 91. But we just asked God for protection and drank up I mean the down. boy carried it a half a mile across the field, so unarmed mm. with these people calling out all kinds of things to us in Arabic, and we had some people who spoke Arabic, I said, "What are they saying? Are they cursing us what, wh- i don 't <laughs> what are they saying and he said they're saying, "Blessed be the womb who bore you, Biblical mm. blessing <laughs> you know may God give you the strength to fulfill your intention to honor God and arrive in Bethlehem to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. Hmm. In Arabic, old women, 80 years old, young people, and this is what they're calling out to us as we walk by. Many of us were representing the worldwide church from Africa, from Asia, but I would say about half of our contingent were Americans. They were soccer Hmm. players who would play soccer in the villages every evening. (laughs) But they knew we were a large contingent of Americans, and yet they blessed us.
1: Tell us just a little bit more about the scope of this project. The reason I mentioned that is because I saw you on CNN right around Christmas 2000. I remember seeing this event covered by CNN and by other television media and other news media. This was a pretty big deal, really, wasn't it? That was the most important
2: experience, I think, for my wife and I that we've ever had in terms Mm. of just a profoundly, you know, very deep religious experience to be able to honor Jesus on his 2000th birthday. And we never quite expected how it occurred because just as we began, the Intifada broke out. Mm. There was tremendous political tensions in the Middle East and tremendous concern, a lot of political manipulating going on from Mm. some Middle Eastern countries, over these things. And so it, it was a very difficult climate, and many many of the countries were fearful to allow us to go. They didn't know how the people would respond to mm-hmm. us, although almost to the government's surprise, even the people embraced us very dearly. But it, it took us eight years to prepare for this. We <laughs> wow. weren't about to quit. We really did feel that God called us to do this as yeah. a way of both showing people in the Middle East what Christians were really like, apart from what they see on the news or what they see through movies and yeah. other Western media. We wanted very much for them to know that many Christians are truly devoted and submitted to God mm-hmm. and can show some of the grace of God in their life yeah. that would show them what God has done in Christ. How so many traveled gracious with you? People. As we began in Iraq, there were 12, simply because mm-hmm. we, we were very limited in who we could get in at that time of sure, crisis. Sure. My wife had been in Iraq a number of times, and she came in with us. She was the only woman at that <laughs> stage. Uh. She's a very brave woman, but she just loves these people, too. As we traveled further, then more people joined us, some people that we couldn't get into Iraq. And by the time we arrived in Bethlehem, the last several days, uh, last day traveling from Shepherd's Field into Bethlehem, mm. there were 10,000 people. Mm. The majority of these people were Muslim people. A night torch parade going into Bethlehem on Christmas night. And 10,000 people, 4 kilometers long, as wow. wide as the street is wide, plus many people standing on the sidewalks and standing on balconies and standing on rooftops, thousands of people there applauding and cheering. Wow. And then as we arrived in Bethlehem Square, there was maybe 5, 6, 7,000 people waiting for us to mm. arrive. So I don't know what the number really is, 15 to 20,000 people participating, and a great many of these people, Muslims, who wanted to honor Jesus on his 2000th mm. birthday with us, and we called it the Journey of the Magi a pilgrimage for peace. And so Mm. they joined in it as Jesus came to bring peace. They understand this, and so they said, you know, peace would be good. We would like peace. And Mm. as it turned out, because of the violence, because of the fear, all these plans for the year 2000 had gone on for years in Bethlehem, all canceled. Everyone in the Mm. world canceled. And so this turned out, much to our surprise, to be the only event that happened on christmas day in the year 2000 amazing that would honor jesus and lift him
1: up amazing how did you dress i mean you were you said you were riding camels you were walking how did you dress how long did it take i know our (laughs) listeners want to know all this (laughs) it took
2: it it, we actually had planned it for 99 days from iran Hmm. and then we had had already gone to iran and planned all those stages and the iranian government was very cooperative Muslim leaders were very cooperative. They were very eager to help us do this. But because of the political tensions, Iran at the last minute, we were going to begin on September 8th in Iran, they had to cancel. Mm. And -hmm. so then we were our next staging place was Iraq. Mm -hmm. The reason for this is the Magi would have met with the leaders of the people and came up with their plan to go honor Jesus. And so we planned to start there, and and this is about 30 miles south of Baghdad. We then, by camel and foot, we dressed as pilgrims would, oh, and as they do today, uh-huh. in white, all in white, I see. just mm-hmm. as a, a Muslim pilgrim does mm-hmm. uh, each year when they go to Mecca. So they would instantly recognize yeah. that. Oh, these are pilgrims, but you're going <laughs> the wrong direction. Oh no,
1: <laughs> really? We're going to. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> we we are following the ancient caravan route that the three kings followed, and they know about the three kings. And uh, that route it, was it goes from the Tigris across right there directly west to the Euphrates. And it goes north up the Euphrates, through all these cities, of Fallujah and Haditha and so on that I mentioned, to Abu Kamal, which is the border between Mm. Iraq and Syria, crosses over, goes to Palmyra in Syria, Mm. then down by Damascus and south into Jordan, and then from Jordan goes down into the Jordan Valley, Mm -hmm. uh, the old ancient Roman road, where there's still markers in that road from 55 A.D. and so on, and along that road, and finally across north of the Dead Sea there and up to Bethlehem, through the hills, exactly as the ancient travelers would have gone.
0: Well, that's part one of Norm's classic interview with Robin Wainwright about the Journey of the Magi project back at the turn of the century. We'll be back with part two of Norm's conversation with Robin on tomorrow's program. there's no doubt that trying times bring out the best and the worst in mankind i pray that god will bring out the very best of him in you today thank you for standing with compassion radio in times like this i think you know that we're a unique voice in christian radio your generosity and your faith in us make it possible for us to continue doing what we do each and every day Our radio stations, networks, and ministry partners around the world are counting on us to continue what we do so that they can do what they do. Quality Christian teaching and programs come to you because you support it. With all this happening in the world right now, Christian radio has never been more needed to bring you the truth, comfort, and challenge that we need to live a gospel-filled life in the world. I humbly ask that you not forget us as we do the work we do for you. If you've never given before, would you consider doing so today? If you have supported Compassion Radio in the past, would you consider making us a part of your regular monthly giving plan? Thank you, friend. We're praying God's peace, provision, and courage over you today. The toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can mail Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And we're online 24-7 at CompassionRadio.com. Don't wait, friends. Join us online to find out how you can be involved with this unique and timely ministry. Plan to join us tomorrow for part two of Journey of the Magi.